0: Então, eu estou feliz demais que tem alguns brasileiros também, as pessoas que falam, sim, agora tá bom. Estou feliz demais que tem algumas pessoas do Brasil, do Portugal também, que está assistindo pelo live. Não sei se uh, tem meus amigos, minha família lá no Brasil, mas estou feliz que, que vocês estão aí. And I was pensando, primeiro, I'm going to speak in Portuguese just for a minute because I felt something for those that speak Portuguese when I was worshiping. Um, então eu vou começar um, um pouquinho em português porque eu estava sentindo alguma coisa lá quando eu estava adorando. E Deus me lembrou de um tempo quando eu estava no Brasil e ele ele tinha me falado alguma coisa, ele estava falando sobre o Moisés quando ele estava diante do Sarcedente e Deus falou com ele, tira seu chinelo, porque você está nas Terra Santa. E agora, por causa da presença de Deus que estava com ele, ele tinha que tirar o chinelo dele para ficar diante do, da presença de Deus. E Deus falou comigo, Wes, e você carrega a, presença, a minha presença dentro de você aonde você for é terra santa Sim. eu estou contigo é minha presença e eu acho é uma coisa para o Brasil ou aqueles que não sei para quem mas Deus quer que você saiba que Ele está contigo onde você é agora a presença dele está contigo está sobre ti so I just really believe, like during worship, there was such a tangible presence of God here. And um, I agree, everything that Anasio was saying was exactly what I was feeling like why stop right why stop he is the worthy one he is the worthy one it actually doesn't really matter if i were to get to speak or someone else for that matter he's the worthy one and his goodness and his worth should fuel our worship and our praise endlessly that we would never tire of singing his praise, that we would never tire of pouring out our songs and our adoration because of who he is, because of his worth, because of his holiness. But you know, so often it, it becomes just a part of this bigger structure that we have where that's never how it was meant to be. He is the worthy one from beginning from before time even began until the end. And for all of eternity, we will be singing his praises. It will never stop. He is the center of it all. And I was thinking as we were worshiping, like when Moses would go out to meet God in the tent of meeting, all of Israel would get out of their tents and they would face the tent of meeting where Moses was going, walking, to go meet with God face-to-face, like a man meets with his friend, and all of Israel would get out of their tents, and they would bow down and worship, because one man was meeting with God, and they knew they had revelation of the worth of Jesus. They had revelation of the worth, the holiness of their God that, that provoked them. It didn't matter if you were having a bad day It didn't matter if you felt like it or not. It didn't matter what circumstances were happening. They would come out of their tents and they would bow and worship. And this is the place. There's an invitation in this hour. And I'm going to say some things this morning that unfortunately have been said so many times that maybe we've grown callous to it. It's like, Oh, yeah, 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 I've heard that before. And I was cautioned, like, do I even say it? Do I even go there? Because so many times it will just be like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. You know, like, yeah, sure. And then we leave the same that we came in. But I felt it so deep in my spirits, what I've been feeling since January, Um That there's an invitation in this hour for us to come into a new place in God where we actually have all of our barriers and our walls broken down and we're left at a place where truly he is the center. Not just in our songs and not just in our words, but truly in every decision that we make, in our worship, in the things that he's asking us to do, in our obedience, every single part of our life, he is the center of it all. And when we do come together in worship, when we do come together to praise him, that that it would erupt from inside, no, I can't just stand here, or no, I can't just sit and watch you know, whether those are watching on the live stream, that the invitation for us to worship in spirit and in truth is it crosses so many barriers, and there's a longing from our spirit to worship the one who created us, the uncreated one. There's an invitation for us to come in and to know him in a different way. And we have a choice. We truly have a choice tommy and i uh god called us to maine to a very small church community in a rural town it it was out of it seemed out of nowhere why are we going here what's going on there you know you question all the things like okay that doesn't make any sense for all that's been going on we get there things are crazy at first and we're like okay well we're here This is what we're doing. We had a a group of five of us, three people and me and Tommy is what it got to. And we would gather, and sometimes it would be literally just me and Tommy. And we would come together and we would worship and we would pray and we would speak the word to one another because God had given us a word and it didn't matter what it looked like. It did not matter what it looked like. And at the beginning of this year, um, God spoke to us very clearly and said, I'm going to change everything. I'm about to change everything. What time do I have until before I keep going? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. I just wanted to make sure. Um, God was saying, you know, I'm about to change any, everything, and I'm going to share what he spoke to us because I don't believe that it was just for us. I believe that there is an awakening. See, so I'm going to use these words that are so used, but I truly have faith to believe it. And I want to encourage you today that when you hear me w- use words like awakening and revival, that you don't just go into, oh yeah, I've heard, oh yeah, I've heard awakening, revival. There is a move of God coming in the earth, there is an awakening and a revival. And I can I, I release that full of faith by the Spirit. I even prophesied over California, over this state, that there is an awakening and there is a revival coming to the people of God, and there will be a great harvest of souls that come into the body of Christ. I believe that 100%. There's no doubt. Doubt in my soul that we are in a time in the spirit that it's just about this breaking out. It's begun to trickle, and we've begun to experience it in Maine, and that's why we're so filled with faith. God brought us in January to Matthew 11, and he and he totally tore down everything. But in Matthew 11, I'm going to read it verses one through 19. Actually, one through 19. In Matthew 11, it says, when Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John, this is John the Baptist, now when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? I'm going to stop there for a moment. This is John the Baptist. He baptized Jesus, saw the spirit descend like a dove on Jesus. All of heaven was opened up, and he heard a loud voice that said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? So a pretty incredible things. He had spent his entire life. Preparing the way for the Messiah. That was the mark of John the Baptist. And yet now he's at the end of his life in prison and he's doubting. Pretty incredible, right? For me, that's crazy. He baptized Jesus and heard God's voice from heaven. And yet now he's in a place that's dark and dreary. He's being persecuted for his faith. And he says, go ask him. I need reassurance. Are you the expected one or should we look for another? So his disciples, John's disciples, goes to Jesus and they ask him. In verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So he didn't rebuke John for his unbelief or his doubt. He didn't say, oh, John, you have little faith, like he said many times to many other people, his own disciples, right? He didn't say any of that, even though there was truly a struggle in John. He said, go report to him what you're seeing and what you're hearing. The dead are raised, the lepers are walking, the deaf hear, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now this, when I read that the first time I was in Haiti and I thought, what does that mean? What does that even have to do with what he just said? Blessed is he who doesn't take offense at me. And then one day it just clicked. It was like, you know, when all of a sudden you're reading it and the spirit opens your eyes. Blessed is he who does not take offense in me. All of Israel had studied, and think of the Pharisees, had studied the prophetic words, had known what the scripture had said about the coming Messiah. And they had an expectation of how he was going to come. And Jesus did not come the way that they thought he was going to come. And they were offended at him. They were offended at what he was doing. They were offended by what he was saying because they had read the scripture, created this mindset, said of what they believed it was going to look like, and when he came completely differently than what they were expecting, they grew offended. So he says, blessed is he has not offended me, and then he goes on to explain, as John's disciples were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John, and he says to the crowds, what did you go out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken by the wind, But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen an anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So he then addresses the same thing: What were you expecting? What were you looking for? Someone dressed in soft clothing? John the Baptist did not come the way that you were expecting him to come, and you were offended by him. The religious people of the day, the leaders of the day, completely offended because he came way differently than what anyone expected, and they rejected him. They rejected him. And Jesus, in John's defense, is saying, He came differently. Blessed are those who are not offended in my ways. Blessed are those who are not offended in the way I want to do things. The worthy one, the king of kings, the lord of lords. Blessed is the one who doesn't take offense in my ways and allows me to break open the box. And he says in verse 14, if you're willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. They were believing that Elijah was supposed to come back. Right? And so Jesus just said, this is him. This is Elijah come back. Do you think John thought he was Elijah coming back? Nope. Right? He was just doing, he was preparing the way in the wilderness. And Jesus says, this is him. It's happening. This is what's happening. It's not the way you wanted it to be, but it's the way I want it to be and have called it to be since the beginning of time. And he says, he, this verse 15, he who has ears to hear, Let him hear. And that that phrase has been resounding in my spirit for months. We've been praying it over the the church in the country specifically and in the world. He who has ears, let him hear. God, open up ears to hear what you are saying, what the spirit is saying. And then he goes on to say, and what should I compare this generation? It's like children, the marketplace, who call out to other children and say, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. Basically, you didn't do what we wanted you to do. We had an expectation, you didn't meet it. Right? We played the flute for you, you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. So they're angry, they're offended. You're not doing, you're, we can't control you. How about that? We can't control God. We can, you cannot control God. He will come the way he wants to come, whether you like it or you don't. He is God. And it's time for us to come into a place where we are truly submitted to his ways, no matter what they look like even if it is completely different from what you're expecting or thinking or used to. In verse 18, he says, For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He has a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and they said, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, or by her children the fruit of those actions. John and Jesus were complete opposites. John went and fasted, prayed in the wilderness, baptized people, and they said he was demon-possessed. Jesus came eating and drinking and spending time with sinners, and they said he's a glutton and a drunkard. They were never satisfied, no matter which way it comes, Uh, And how many of us are never satisfied no matter what it looks like? Well, if it looks this way, it's not good enough. If it looks that way, it's not good enough. It's not the way I want it to be, so therefore it's not God. Our country, our culture, even around the world right now, but specifically in our own country, in our own states, there is so much division over this very thing. Where we say it has to look this way or it has to look that way. And if it's not one or the other, it's sin and you're wrong and that's not God. And it's dividing the church. Where God wants to say, look higher. Look higher. You're being distracted by little minuscule things that do not matter. I'm about to pour out in the earth. And blessed are those who aren't offended in that day blessed are you if you're not offended in that day it struck our hearts this struck our hearts in january and we thought of jesus coming the pharisees rejected him those that had studied the word they they knew the word they knew the law they were following it somewhat and they were trying to get other people to follow the law but when jesus the one they had been waiting for for hundreds and thousands of years he shows up on the scene they do not recognize him they do not see him he comes outside of their traditions in a way that they weren't expecting and they're offended and reject their very messiah and when i when the lord spoke that to me i was like Oh my god may I never be in a place where I am so stuck in my structure in my tradition in the way that we do church even that I would be offended in the way that you came so we decided Tommy and I as leaders of this church to say guys we're we're doing something new God wants to do something new. We have to get used to change. We have to get used to letting God be outside his box and not just trying to keep him in the way that we're used to, in the way that makes us feel comfortable. We have to let God outside. He's going to be anyway. So if you don't now, you're going to be offended later. Truly. You will be offended later or you might miss it completely like the Pharisees. That really happened. They missed it completely. And there are those still today waiting for the Messiah to return and he's already come. They completely missed it. Far be it from us that that would happen to us because we're so stuck in tradition, we're so stuck in the structures, we're so stuck in the way that we think things should be that we don't allow and look for the move of God. So in Maine, we started to say, okay, on Sundays, we're scrapping everything. Every Sunday, we're going to gather together, and we're going to just see what the Spirit does, and we're going to learn to be led by the Spirit together as a community. So we started to worship, and we would just let worship go for however long. And the majority of the time, the worship just went for the entire time. And as people, as we were worshiping, we had a mic in the front ready, and people could get up and share what the Spirit was showing them through times of worship, prophetic words, exhortation, exhortation. Kind of like early church stuff, right? Everyone comes prepared with something to share, to edify the body, to to build up the body. And this was not, not just like, oh, everyone has to do this. This was what God was telling us to do for Maine. In Maine, there are so many local bodies of believers that are stuck in tradition and can't see past it nothing will ever change because this is how we're used to it we will never change change is hard it's not easy when we changed this structure it was so uncomfortable for so many people because we refused to move on just to make everyone feel comfortable okay there's a lull in worship nobody knows where to go well we're not moving on we're gonna wait We're going to wait for the spirit to lead us. We're going to wait to see what he says. And it's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. We would wait and it would be like almost like cringe-worthy uncomfortable. And you're just like, ah, I don't like this. But we kept saying, guys, you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. Tap in. Tap in right now. What is he saying? How's he directing? If we're always only waiting for one or two people in the body to be the directors of the whole thing, we're missing out on what God, that invitation for each of us to hear God's voice, to know and discern where he's leading, and to add our yes and our amen to what's happening in the spiritual realm. And our our body, our family back in Maine, it was like, so stretching. Nobody was used to it. And we had to say, hey guys, failure is okay. Messing up is okay because we're on a journey to maturity, right? Just like with your little kids. Do you expect perfection from them? As No, they're going to mess up over and over again. They're going to ignore you over and over and over again. And there's just this patient like, nope, redirecting, redirecting, redirecting. That's the same in the body. We're a family of children, different levels of ages and maturity in the Lord, and we have to be okay with the messiness of it and allowing the spirit to move and direct. And, and messy doesn't mean disordered. You can be messy and organized. You can be messy and have the order of the Lord, where someone might get up and say something so left field, and you're just like, okay, and we're moving back this way. You know, like the, and we learn. You learn. You get taught. We learn together. We have to be open for that correction, open for that discipline, but it's a training on the inside for what God's going to do in the earth now. He's just about to do it, and a couple months into it, we were now just pushed through that uncomfortability, and we thought, this is it. we're we're doing it. We're worshiping, and God is exploding in our gatherings every time. We're a small group of people still meeting within the guidelines of our state, and God is exploding in the midst of us because we've said, come and do whatever you want to do. If it looks like how it used to look like, great. If it doesn't, Great. It does not matter. You have preeminence. You are the head of your church. Lead us onward into what you have because we do not want to be offended in that day that is quickly coming where he's going to pour out his spirit on the earth and on his people and we will not be the offended ones that say, no, it cannot happen this way. No, it will not happen this way. Me and Tommy and a friend of ours began to meet, just the three of us, when everything shut down. We said, You know what? We have to pray. We must pray in this hour. There was an urgency, an invitation. Like I'm saying, there is an invitation in the spirit right now. There is an invitation to the body, and it's going across this, the United States and probably other countries too, but it's going across our country. There's an invitation to step into what God is about to do, and it involves prayer and worship. Do you realize that there are spiritual realms over locations? Very biblical. Read the book of Daniel, and you'll see it all throughout the book of Daniel, not to mention many other places in the Bible, but you'll see it many times in the book of Daniel. There are spiritual realities over different locations, over different countries, and, you, and we as the people of God, being spiritual beings, We're spiritually sons and daughters of God. We have an identity. And that's that whole book, The Orphan Mentality. It's trying to teach us, break out of your old mindset and come and walk in your identity as a son and daughter of God and begin to declare boldly to the spiritual realm what your father is saying. But if you're so stuck in being an orphan, which is all here, you know, all relational, all inward, oh, it's me and, you know, all the problems, you'll read the book, you'll, you'll see yourself breaking out of that and becoming confident in the love of God and who he says he is, and then being able to declare and shift a spiritual realm over a location for the outpouring of the Spirit. There is an invitation for this. And in Maine, as we've started to do this to say, God, we don't want to be offended in that day. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. What do you want us to do? When do you want us to do it? We were feeling the hunger of God increase and increase and increase. And I don't know if you felt that at all recently, but God wants to stir up hunger in his people again. Hunger for his presence. Hunger for his word. Guys, it's not just about ministry. It's not just about ministry. It's about a man named Jesus and having relationship with that man giving him the praise and the glory and the honor due his name, hungering after his presence, hungering after his word, hungering after being with him, knowing him, experiencing him. That is the only way there's going to be breakthrough in the earth that pours out. And people will look at us and say, what are you doing differently? Because it's not about a platform anymore. It's not just about who has the mic. It's not about the worship team or the pre- it's about one man named Jesus. Only his name will last forever and ever and ever. My name will fade away, your name will fade away, and it does not matter. And we have to get to a place where we say, It doesn't matter. My name means nothing. There is a name that is above every other name, and that name is worthy of praise and glory from every created being in the earth. He is worthy of that praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our lives poured out. And we gain that place from the invitation to prayer. Are you coming before him, whether in the secret place or together in small groups? It does not have to be in a building where you meet for church fellowship. It could be in your homes. It could be in a room. You can gather in twos. Do you know it says that where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And where two or three agree on anything according to my will, it shall be done. If we truly believe that, and I'm speaking to myself, if I truly believe that, I would be in prayer much more than I am. If, if you're thinking, like, what's my, work, what's my week like, and when do I pray? When do I pray with other believers? And you're like, oh, I don't even want to tell anybody because I don't, or maybe it's once for an hour. That really only speaks to your belief system. What you actually believe about God in the prayer of the righteous man. It it really shows where you're at. Do you believe? Because if we believed that prayer could change a nation like Daniel believed, we would be in prayer. We would be in worship. We would be gathering together to call heaven down in the earth, adding our yes and amen. And like I said, two or more. Many times it was just me and Tommy then another friend of ours joined, and there was three of us. And every time we met, the presence of God came, and he was releasing words, and we could see it. When you get into a place of prayer, you begin to see what is happening spiritually. God is calling watchmen to return to the wall to see what he's doing ahead and call out to the people and say, Come, he's coming, the rain is coming. The Spirit is coming. For six, for March until now, we've been praying together, God, put the watchmen back on the walls. God, let the watchmen arise. God, give the watchmen a voice again. Oh, let the watchmen cry out. Let the watchmen, be, their mouths be filled with the word of the Lord to bring awakening to the church, to call out and say, the presence of God, the power of God is coming. People, get Ready. People get ready. We've been so dulled by the age. We've been so dulled and so distracted. I mean, Tommy and I have had serious conviction over even things that are not sin, just the way we're using our time. Because of the urgency of the hour, we sense it. We can feel it in our being. And we've said no, no more to that. It's not a sin. Like TV, nope. Because there's an urgency in the hour, and we want to be in the place of prayer. There's an invitation right now to partner with God in the earth through prayer and worship to release what he's speaking in heaven on the earth. And you know what he's looking for? Not any fancy preacher. He's looking for a yes in your heart, that's all. He's looking for a simple yes. He's looking all around. Where can I find a yes? I'm inviting any and all. Doesn't matter who you are, what social status you have, what financial place you have. I am looking for a yes. Who will come in to this special place, this invitation? And guys, I can't emphasize enough when you get to that place and you say, God, you have my yes in the secret place where his name becomes the only name that matters, you're going to start to see what he's doing in the earth and your whole entire being is going to be filled and flooded with hope and faith and you will be so far above what's happening in the earth today you're going to be looking and saying whoa yeah it looks crazy but God is coming he's coming with rain he's coming to pour out his spirit we can see it now in the spirit and we're calling it into the earth now Because we're seeing what he's doing. But we need to get to that place. We must get to that place. Are we ready for the move of God? Are we ready? Am I ready for God to move? I don't even know if we realize what that even means. Right? I don't think so. I I really don't think so. Are we ready for God to pour out? Are you willing for change? That's a big question. Are you willing for to be uncomfortable? Are you willing for God to challenge even the forms and the structures and the traditions that you're used to so that you won't be offended in that day? Are you willing? Or are you one that says, like, yeah, I'm willing, but he won't tell me anything to change? If he's not challenging anything in your life you're not willing to hear you don't have ears to hear because he's constantly drawing us in to the uncomfortable to the stretching to the conviction he's constantly bringing us out of what our norms are into something greater to know him more to allow him to break the box open i just want to read this real quick Oh, yeah, I was, I was writing this, too. There might be positions that drastically shift. Are you ready for that? These are practical things. You know, like when you say, are you ready for change? Yeah, I'm ready for change. Well, what if it means everything actually changing? What if you're no longer up here on the stage with a microphone? Are you willing for change? What if it's, you know, whatever that might be. Are you willing? Think about it. Jesus had 12 uneducated men as disciples. Do you know how offensive that would have been to the Pharisees? Oh, the Messiah didn't choose us, the studied ones, the ones that have been following the law, you know, the religious ones. No, he chose 12 uneducated, unimpressive men to be the ones to spread the flame. Are you ready for that? Are we ready for that? Am I ready for God to choose? You know, I'm willing to play any part. Are you willing to play any part if it means someone else is going to be the mouthpiece? Are you willing? Are you ready for God to anoint whoever he wants to anoint? Whoever he wants to speak, are you ready? Are we ready for that change? Am I ready to say yes, you, God's calling you God's choosing you to play this part and he's choosing me to play this part are we ready for that or would it offend us would it offend you if you said you know know what never mind you're off you're not going to do that anymore because God's changing this we're not going to do that anymore because God's changing this will you be one of the ones that's offended How dare you change that? How dare you take away my position? These are all orphan mindsets. But they're also, God's invitation is into that place where he truly is at the center. You know, we can sing that song, and it's one of my favorite songs. But do you know how the reality of the words of those songs is actually like a sword? It's like, Jesus at the center of it all. Die me, die me, die me, you know? Uh, We're singing it, and it is this declaration, yes, I have this huge yes. But at the same time, when I think of it practically, I'm like, oh, God, I want you at the center, but I must die. Like John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Are we ready for the change? Are we ready for the shift? Are we ready for the move? And will you be offended? Jesus said in Matthew 11, blessed is he who does not take offense at me because he knew he showed up differently than they wanted and they were offended. And blessed is he who says, oh God's God. He can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it through whom he wants to do it. So I just want to read this. This was so encouraging to me. Just a little revival history because it gets so encouraging I encourage you to delve deep into this on your own. When I say that I believe wholeheartedly that God is about to move in the earth, this is what I'm thinking. So in the beginning, in describing, someone wrote, I don't know if you've heard about Jonathan Edwards, revivalist, anyway, in describing what happened in Jonathan Edwards' Northampton, Massachusetts church in 1734, observers said, they just saw what the revival was happening. This is what they said it pleased God to display his free and sovereign mercy in the conversion of a great multitude of souls in a short space of time, turning them from formal, cold, and careless professions of Christianity to the lively exercise of every Christian grace in the powerful practice of our holy religion. It pleased God to show mercy and turn in a small short of time a great multitude of people from dead religion to living power. That's 1734. That's what revival is. The Great Awakening, 1734 to 43. In December of 1734, the first revival of historic significance broke out, this is just for the US, in Northampton, Mass, where a young man named Jonathan Edwards was pastor. After months of fruitless labor, no fruit, he reported five or six people converted. One who was a young woman, He wrote, she had been one of the greatest company keepers in the whole town. He feared her conversion would douse the flame, but quite the opposite took place. 300 souls converted in six months in a town of only 1,100 people, so half the town got saved in six months. The news spread like wildfire, and similar revivals broke out in 100 towns, Starting in Philadelphia in 1739, George Whitefield's dramatic preaching was like a striking a match to the already underway awakening. An estimated 80% of America's 900,000 colonists personally heard Whitefield preach. 80%. There was only 900,000 people in the U.S. 80% heard George Whitefield. Great awakening, souls, meeting God, turning from dead religion to the living God. And you know what's interesting? It says they heard about what happened with Jonathan Edwards. All they did was hear about it and believe, and it came. And that's what God, that's what God wants to do. But we have to allow our hearts to feel again and hope again and have faith again and not be hardened and say, Oh, sure, I'm sure there's revival there. Yeah, whatever, like, it's over there, maybe. When I'm telling you that in Maine right now, there's already the beginnings of the tricklings, we're seeing the water, the presence, revival is, we're on the cusp of revival. I'm I'm not kidding you. God gave me a vision when I was 16 years old. I had no connection to Maine. I looked out. A window on a car ride and i saw a picture of the united states and i saw the cloud of the holy spirit hovering over maine and it traveled down the east coast and then traveled across the states until it was hovering across california to maine and in a moment it all dropped and then i saw other nations and it was dropping over every nation and i journaled at 16 years old revival starting in maine Revival in the United States is going to start in Maine. I had no connection to Maine, and it wasn't until years later, six years later, that God brought that vision back to mind and said, it's time to go to Maine. There is a move of God, a shaking. There's a shaking that's happening, and we call it by the Spirit. The Second Great Awakening, 1800 to 1840, 40 years in 1800, only 1 in 15 of America's population of fi- Okay, America's population was pi- 5.3 million. That's like the size of a state. That's like New York City. 5.3 million in the entire country. And only 1 in 15 belonged to a church. Presbyterian minister James McGready presided over strange spiritual manifestations in Kentucky. The resulting camp meeting revivals drew thousands from as far as Ohio. Reverend Gardner Spring reported that for the next 25 years, not a single month passed without news of a revival somewhere. And in 1824, that's 24 years of revival. Can you imagine? That excites my heart so much. In 1824, Charles Finney began a career that would eventually convert half a million to Christ. An unparalleled, 100,000 were converted in Rochester, New York City in 1831 alone, causing the revival to spread to 1,500 towns. By 1850, the nation's population exploded, this is amazing, fourfold to 23 million. So we were now up to 23 million people in the US, but those connected to evangelical churches grew tenfold, from 7% to 13%. So it was 350,000 people were saved to 3, point, to 3 million churches, church members. It goes on that in 1857, revivals broke out everywhere, spreading through the United States, sometimes called the Great Prayer Meeting Revival, because a man, he was a businessman watching the decline of the economy, and he all that happened. So a, a a normal businessman, your average, it's like Dave going out into the streets and seeing on people's faces, distraught, saddened because the economy was failing. And Dave says, I'm going to start to pray. Well, this man, he started to pray, gathered six people to pray once a week. The next week there was 20. The next week there was 40 until it grew that they were having every day, um, All the space was taken, all churches, every church began to open up for businessmen's prayer meetings. Revivals broke out everywhere, spreading throughout the United States. This is called the Great Prayer Meeting Revival. An estimated one million people were added to America's church, and as many as one million, so they're saying there were four million believers in the states at that time, another million was added, and then a million of that four million, got saved, got really saved. They were just attending church because of prayer meetings. That's all, all they did was gather to pray. Guys, this is not some crazy thing like that you have to go do. All they did was gather to pray. That's all, starting with small groups of people. It wasn't like, oh, we have to have 100 people here for it to feel like anything happening. Six people. All he did was six people. There's so many. I just want you to, I wanted to read through the whole thing, but there's so many. In 1906, this is one of my favorites, the Azusa Street Revival, which happened here in California. An African-American holiness pastor, blind in one eye, went to Los Angeles to candidate for a pastoral job but after he preached, he was locked out of the second service. He began prayer meetings in a nearby home and the Spirit of God, which they called the second blessing, fell after many months of concerted prayer. Eventually, the interracial crowds became so large, they acquired a dilapidated Methodist church on Azusa Street where daily meetings continued for three years, resulting in the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic movement, which both exploded worldwide. One man. Blind in one eye, locked out of the church again because of the way what I don't know why they did, but for was he preached for a service and they kicked him out. But you know what happened? God chose that man. The church rejected him, but God said, You're the one. He starts praying in homes and revival, and two major movements that we're part of were born out of that man's prayer. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't say the church rejected me. He said, no, God has something more. I'm committing myself to prayer. Guys, you don't have to be some super educated, wealthy, or well-known person to do this, to accept the invitation from God. These are just Four, three or four revivals, there's, a, there's pages and pages where it was businessmen and laymen and people who can't see. He was blind. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, God is looking for a yes. Do we have the yes? Are you willing, for those in other nations, are you willing to be the yes to welcome the spirit and presence of God because God is no respecter of persons? He says, you have a yes, I choose you. You have a yes, I choose you. You have a yes, I choose you. I don't care what your gift set is. I don't care what you think you're able to do because I am the great I am. And i will move through whom i want to move and i will be glorified and so many times it it even says in scripture he chooses the weak and worthless things of this world to display his glory and i want to say here i am the weak and worthless thing of this world here only for one purpose to display the beauty and the glory of jesus he will have my yes to the end of my days by the grace of god i will give my life for one man for his name to be glorified in the earth and the invitation today is does he have your yes and what will shift in your life because of it What is going to change? Because there's a move. Don't be offended. Don't be caught up in tradition. Don't be caught up in what is comfortable. Ask God to challenge the very belief system that everything is coming from. Ask him to challenge it. And stretch you outside what your normal is so that you can see how great a God we truly serve. He's not within our limits. He's not within our abilities. He's way, way, way outside. And he's ready. He is ready and he is willing. And he's truly just looking for others who are ready and who are willing. This is just what, Anasio, I'm ending here, but this is just what I believe that Not only for us in Maine, but this is what is happening. God has set watchmen on the wall. He's placing the watchmen on the wall. And he's saying, call out. Call out. And there's an invitation for each one of us today to come out of the mucky stuff that we've gotten stuck in, whether that's culturally, whether that's traditionally, whether it's formally like the forms that we use, the traditions, or just the culture, he's calling us out of that muck to a higher place where we see what he's doing and we release it in the earth. Guys, you have this authority, you have it, I have it, as sons and daughters of the living God, and it's time to take our place. It's time to take our place and release the word of the Lord, truly. And I would encourage you even now, like, what are the places that you're saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could give that up. I don't know. That would be too hard for me. I know Anasu, even Anasu and Tilly, for us, that was so hard for God to challenge the way we were doing things. But as leaders as well, we have to just be open to say, hey, whatever, God, we will not be offended. And I know you both have such a heart after what God wants. I know it. But we must open ourselves. It's as much for us as it is for everybody else in our personal lives, in our corporate gathering. What is God doing and what is our part? What's the invitation for Renewal Life Church? What's the invitation for this body of believers? What is he calling you to How is he calling you to stand on the wall? What is he calling you to prophesy over California? What is he calling you to release over California? I know that in Maine, we've been so convicted of our words, what we've released over our state, negative. What could come out of Maine? Oh, Maine is so... This or so that, you know. Who could imagine anyone, God, ever moving here? People are so stuck here, and this is that, and it's all negative. Yeah, and yet we come and praise God on Sunday and release constant negative over our state. Maybe God is just asking you to change your language about your state, the state of California, and begin to see what he sees over the state because you better believe he has a plan and a purpose for the state of California, and he's looking for his sons and daughters to release it prophetically over the state to change a spiritual atmosphere, the power of life and death Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We have power. We have authority in the words that we speak. So what are you releasing? Not just publicly, but privately in your other conversations. Like we were so convicted of this that even everyone in our church community began to change the way that we spoke about Maine. In our our private conversations, it was all like went from what could God ever do in Maine? This is so rural. There's nothing here. No one here. Whatever we wanted to say. It went from that to God is about to move. We can see the rain coming. Revival. We're at the door. We're at the door of awakening. It is here. How is your language going to shift? How is your life going to shift? Are you going to... be able to actually have Jesus at the center and start to give up things and not add this, like, woe is me, self-denial, like, uh. Oh. God always asks me to deny myself, and I really hate this, and oh God, let me pray for five minutes. No, it becomes your delight, and you're like, oh, that means nothing. I would much rather come to this place. I would much rather. When will Jesus become our delight? When will prayer and worship become the delight of our souls where it far surpasses anything else that we do? where we truly hunger after it. And it's not to look religious. It's not to look like we're awesome. It's truly because we delight ourselves in God and we want to meet and encounter him and worship him because he's worthy. When will it shift back? And we're seeking that. That's what we're after. In the nations, that's what he's after. He's looking for people with a yes. That's all he's looking for. So, Father, I just ask even today for any that are watching, for those here right now, for my own heart, God, that you would grace us to say yes, that any place in our hearts, in our minds, in the way that we do things, God, in our traditions, in our forms, or where we've allowed culture to dictate what we believe, God, I pray that you would come in Shine a light on it, God. Shine your light of truth that we might see it and experience freedom from these things that are holding us back, freedom from offense, freedom from frustration, freedom from control. God, we even, I just declare over this church body, over Renewal Life Church, that God is head of this body. God is leading this body. I just sense the Holy Spirit saying that right now, that God has truly been put as leader over this body. I just thank you for that, Father, and I pray that in the days ahead, it would ever increase. It would just ever increase. God, I pray for Inacio and Tilly. God, just extend your hand if you're near them. Father, we thank you for this couple, God, that you have placed here as authorities and Parents and leaders in this body, Father, that you would pour out and refresh them even in their own prayer life, even in their own worship, God, from the deep. Their spirit on the inside would be revived. Start in these leaders, God. Start in this man and this woman who you have called here and placed here for a purpose and a reason. We just prophesy the fire of God fresh over Inacio and Tilly, over their spirit. Let the wind of the spirit fan it into flame that they would be the burning ones in California. They would be the burning ones in this region, God. I know that you have their yes, Lord. And so we say yes and amen to the plans and the purposes. I see you both, a picture of you releasing the word of the Lord over your state. And it's having an effect in the spiritual realm. And I just thank you for that, God. Greater confidence and boldness in them for this hour for the urgency of the hour, that they would have bold confidence to release your word in power in the spiritual places. God has given you authority in California. God has given you authority in the spiritual places over this region, and he's setting you up in a high place to declare his goodness, to declare his authority, to declare his holiness. Father, I just thank you that you have placed a mantle. I hear the Lord saying that he's placed a mantle and an anointing on you to release the word in this season. It is on you by the spirit because you've given him your yes over and over and over again. And I hear the Lord saying right now, I am your defense. I am your defender. Go, I go before you. I go behind you. Go and release my word. So father, I just pray that confidence and who you are in them to declare your word and your works god i just believe it i can see it's like there's gonna be a breakthrough because of your faithfulness because of your submission to the spirit of the living god i see you both going out before and 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 there's so much uh oppression like when you go out in the front there's so much that comes against you but you're push it. You've been punching and pushing. And I see the wall. It's breaking through. There's light that's coming through. So, Father, I pray for a fresh encouragement for them to see the light through that's coming, that their labor has not been in vain, says the Lord. Your labor has not been in vain. You're almost punched through the whole way. God, I just thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, I ask that you would join more and more to them that have the same heart and the same mind that will run together in unity with them as one body, with one mind, one soul and spirit before the Lord. I just pray and thank you for it. I I believe God's saying in this time, yeah, he's going to draw many more to you that have the same heart and same mind. And so I prophesy that over this church, Renewal Life Church, many, many, Many will be joined together with the same heart and the same mind for the glory of God in California. Not because of Ignacio and Tilly, but because of the glory of God in California and because you've given him your yes. So we Thank you for it, God. We thank you for the explosion of light that will come from this location. The explosion of light and truth and presence. Oh, it's going to flow from this place into the streets. And many souls will come to know Jesus is Lord because of what overflows from this cup. And we just thank you for it today, God. Thank you, God. There's something so specific about this location. I can sense it even as I'm standing here. Something very significant about this location. And there will be an explosion that will touch this region, touch this town, the surrounding families. And I just want to encourage you now, and for any that are in the church listening Be ready to welcome in the lame and the poor and the meek and the broken. Be ready. Be ready to welcome them in because they are going to be those 12 disciples that look uneducated and not gifted and broken in a mess. And they're going to come in and the power of God is going to rest on them to go out and plant many churches and to preach the gospel. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for it today. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Amen. Amen.
1: Hallelujah. Uh, Before you go, those of you guys that are watching this from all over, I hope you heard the call that we heard this morning. I heard the call. And this call is not for them, it's for me. This call is for you, not for them. Whether you are in South Africa today and feel like Joseph sold by your brothers, dropped in a dungeon by yourself, is calling you out. Uh, If you are in England or Australia or Lake Elsinore, California or Maine or anywhere, wherever you are in Brazil, in Portugal, and you feel like David hiding in a cave, waiting for things to get better so you can actually do what God wants you to do. He's calling you out. He's calling us out. The, The army of the Lord is being called out and... I tell you, I just heard this loud and clear. You are the instrument of revival. You are. We're waiting for them. We're waiting for the pandemic to pass. We're waiting for things to get better. We're waiting for elections. We're waiting for whatever. And God is saying, you, you give me your yes. And you are the instrument of revival. You are the David, the Joseph, the Deborah, the man, the woman of God that he's waiting for. So rise up. Oh Gideon, come out of your cave. Oh David, come out of your cave. Oh Joseph, come out. (laughs) I don't know if you heard the call. I heard it. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. I'm not running anywhere. God is about to explode in this place and we're about to see His goodness in the earth like we've never seen before. So be encouraged. Be encouraged wherever you are. Thank you guys. Tommy, Wesley, thank you for being here, encouraging us. It is always so humbling. If you're a leader and you're listening to us, you know what I'm talking about. It is always so humbling to hear people preach and it makes you feel so small. It's like, oh God, I didn't see that. This is powerful. So blessed be the name of the Lord. Revival is about to happen. We are waiting. We are desiring it. We are prophesying it. We are thinking about it. We are talking about it. We're going to continue to talk about it and call us crazy. It's all right. <laughs> Amen. So listen, we bless you guys in Jesus' name, wherever you are, praying with you and for you. Be blessed. Be encouraging the Lord. For those locally, we are hoping to be able to meet in person next Sunday. And that will be a great, exciting day. But uh, continue joining together in heart, and praying, and believing, and prophesying in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you. Amen. Amen.